live from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Major Jamie Satterley, and here with me is the production coordinator for the Publications Department at National Headquarters, Michelle Katsaris. Hey. I'm so excited about today's podcast. We're going to be sharing Michelle's interview uh, with Freddie Mbessi. Now, Freddie, um, I'm so I'm really excited to hear this interview because Freddie worked for us on conservatory staff uh, at our first summer as camp directors at Camp Keystone in Florida. And so I'm really excited to hear about what's happening in his life since uh, that summer, six years ago. Uh, lots of lots of changed in the world. I'm sure lots have changed. Uh, lots of things have changed in Freddie's life. Uh, Michelle, can you tell us a little bit? about Freddie and uh, about um, what he's doing, why it's so important. Yeah, so I um, was given Freddie's contact info um, by my direct supervisor, Jeff McDonald, the editorial director. And when I first reached out to him, he responded so quickly, which I love. If anyone works in the editorial industry, they know like quick responses are everything. So he was very quick to respond and we set it up, set up our interview right away. And right, just right off the bat, he told us about his passion and love for music. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, a lot of the times people's jobs in the Salvation Army um, aren't creative a lot of the time. Like, of course, everyone's creative, but his was like very heavily influenced by music, very music driven, and just he's a very creative person. Um, And so I was really excited to hear his story and for such a young person too, he's done a lot, especially in the music and the Salvation Army world. Um, so he kind of just shared that his role is, he is currently the Assistant Divisional Music Director for the Salvation Army in the Eastern Pennsylvania and Delaware Division. Um, he also served as the Regional Music Director for three years, and he was also a member of the Pendle Brass and Singers in the New York Staff Band. So he has done a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and he just believes that the best way to connect with people and God is through music. Yeah. I love hearing stories like this about, um, people, especially, you know, young people who were influenced and kind of formed and shaped by this ministry. And, and it's so, it's so impacted them so much that they can't help, but, um, you know, give that back as an extension of, of what was done in their life. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear, um, what Freddie is going to say. Uh, and so I encourage you to stay tuned. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to hear right now from Freddie and Michelle. Go ahead and tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm 27 years old. I was born in Royal Oak, Michigan, um, spent my formative years there before going away to college at Asbury University, spent the best three years of my life so far there. And then I moved to Delaware a month after, started a new life working at the at DHQ for the music department. And that's where I am today. Um I am a big nerd. I love superheroes. I love watching movies. Um, Star Wars is awesome, and that's all there is to it. Um, yeah, I guess that's about it for me. That's awesome. And um, let's see, which is your favorite Star Wars movie? <sighs> Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Really? Yep. I'm very shocked by that. <laughs> well, because Episode 5 is the best. Let's just set the record straight. but. 
I love seeing Luke Skywalker as a fully-fledged Jedi Knight, just walking into Jabba's palace, no lightsaber, just all, with all the swag in the world, with all the confidence in the world, and just seeing the progression of his character with from like the entire original trilogy and just seeing the focal point is just awesome. I, I, do, I agree with you there. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's great. I love how they're coming out with all these new spinoff shows and movies, too. Because it's like, they're just not letting the franchise die, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the sequel trilogy, but that's okay. That's a story for another time. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you met the Army. Yeah, um, <clears throat> um, I'm a fourth-generation Salvationist. My parents were members of the Salvation Army back in the Democratic Republic of Congo, where they were born and grew up and all that. And a few years before I was born, they moved to the States and found a second home in Royal Oak, Michigan. And that has been my home away from home ever since. Even when living in Kentucky and living in Delaware, I still always find a chance to go back home. Well, my parents are still there, but even going to the core, that has been the like the one of the few constants in my life. And um, what is your role in the Army? So these days, I serve as the Assistant Divisional Music Director of the Pendel, or Eastern Pennsylvania and Delaware Division, in the USA Eastern Territory. As the ADMD, I work to encourage, support, develop music growth in the division. This takes many different forms. Um, I offer music instruction either in person or virtually. Uh, we offer training and giving opportunities for local leaders, supporting our divisional music programs, and ultimately we want to be a reliable resource for the core. Since music is a gift from God, I believe everything we do with that gift is for praising him and enhancing the Sunday worship service. I feel like we're called as believers to come into God's presence with thanksgiving in our hearts and make a joyful noise with music and song. That's pretty much why I do what I do. That's awesome. And did you know you always wanted to work in music? Yes, I did. Um, my parents weren't a huge fan of the idea. Um, I don't know if you've seen Sister Act 2, but my mom always loved to quote, singing does not pay the bills. Singing is not blah, blah, blah. And I tried other things. I tried business. I tried journalism. But I always found myself going back to music and um one of my professors and mentors at Asbury University, Nathan Miller, just pushed me to follow where God was calling me in my life. And that led me to change my major from journalism to music. Now, it was not an easy transition since I switched halfway through the year and had to basically play catch up. But I was doing what I loved. So despite all of the hardships that I faced, I was confident that I was doing what God wanted me to do. Yeah, I told I totally get that, and I'm I'm actually a journalism major, so oh, nice. it hurts my heart that you transferred, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you tell me a little bit about your favorite and least favorite part about your job? Hmm. Well, hopefully, my boss isn't listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, this might be a little weird since I'm I would consider myself an introvert, but my favorite part of the job is making connections and forming lasting relationships with people. As the body of Christ, I think we're stronger together than we are separate. And especially after this past year with all the social distancing and separation and all that, what have you, I feel like we need each other now more than ever. 
Oh, sorry. Something you said is because of like the pandemic, a big conversation has been about how church has really been moved to online. Do you feel like that has like with music, especially, um, but do you find that like kind of sharing the message online is easier than in person sometimes, or do you think it's like reversed? I feel like there are two ways to look at that. One way, um, you have the potential to reach more people just because of, um, you know, the nature of online streaming. Um, Someone in, I don't know, Mozambique or Ghana can be watching a service in uh, Norwich, Illinois or something. And just like your message has so much of a reach. But then on the negative side, you kind of lose that. If you're doing strictly an online um, message thing, you kind of lose that. the sense of gathering together in person and just fellowshipping with the body of Christ. You can do that to some extent online through like chat rooms and whatnot, but it's not the same. Okay. And then, sorry, you were hoping your boss wasn't listening and you were telling us your least favorite part about the job. (laughs) I mean, I guess it's just like filling out paperwork. It's just so tedious and monotonous. I hate it so much. And just (laughs) all the, the, a lot of, um, administrative things that come with the job. I love being out in the field, teaching, bonding with people, and just sitting behind the desk is not my favorite thing to do, but you know, it is what it is. It's necessary. Yeah. What is your, um, like, what is your favorite in-person activity that you've been missing this past year due to the pandemic? I would immediately say leading groups, but I have been able to lead and play in groups um we've had the social distance but yeah just being with music groups singing is a big thing we haven't been able to sing at all just because you know the virus trend it's easier to transmit the virus that way but i would guess uh gathering together um this past fall we had to do everything virtually and it was not easy. People lost interest. And then having to put to put together a virtual festival of people submitting in their videos, it it just wasn't the same as gathering together in, fr- in front of a big congregation and just worshiping the Lord through music and arts and all those other things. So it wasn't the same. What are some of your um, favorite hobbies outside of work? So I think this counts, even though I use it for work too, but I am a composer. So writing music has probably been uh, a big one over the past decade and a half. It's such an interesting craft. You never stop learning and there's always room for growth and improvement. There's such a huge community um, with composers, especially Salvation Army composers. Um, There has been a Salvation Army Composers Forum usually held at Asbury University, but it's changed locations over the years where like more established composers like Bill Himes, Jim Kerno, Steve Bulla will come alongside um, younger composers and like see what their ideas are, give them some suggestions. And it's such a, a community building um, experience. And I've been to like three or four of them and just really helped me develop my craft. And I love it. Um, Disc golfing is something I've also gotten into recently, and it's the best of both worlds. You can do it with a group of people, and you can do it socially distant. So it's great. <laughs> can you go ahead and explain like what disc golfing is to our listeners? Um, disc golfing is basically just like regular golf, only you use uh, specialized frisbees. You have your driver frisbee, you have a mid 
a mid-range and you have a putter and you have these like these cylindrical goals that you try to toss a disc in and you have different pars that you have to meet you have to get the disc in by and you could do this almost at um almost at every park a lot of parks these days have disc golfing uh, goals and um they yeah it's a great activity trash cans, right yeah, like they kind of basically. have something trash cans, but with a slit in it. Yeah, I think I've yeah. seen those. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you any good at it? No. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's hard. Like, I love it, but it's difficult to get used to it once you first start out. But luckily, I've ha- I have friends in um, the Eastern Territory and back in Michigan that I'm able to go out with. And we just encourage each other, lift each other up. The disc golfing community at large, even like outside of the army, is so like encouraging and uplifting. They're always like trying to help you out. Um, it's really cool. That's awesome. And then shifting back to your music, um, when did you? I know you said you've always wanted to work with music, but when did you first learn how to play? Like, when did you remember first falling in love with music? So I believe I started uh picked up a cornet for the first time when I was like five or six years old what seems like many moons ago at the Royal Oak Corps um the Royal Oak Corps has been blessed to have such uh an involved music program they have levels for beginners intermediate students and adult sections um and I remember I was at the core one Sunday and then the band was playing this really cool march um called Cairo red shield i was blown away by it and i remember the lead trombone player at the time his name is ian mcneil he talked to me about music and he could tell that i really liked it because i was probably staring at them because this one section that they have it was amazing i don't know how i can describe it on a podcast but um i just remember being blown away and i just remember being hooked ever since now, I will say, even though I was hooked into music at that point, it didn't mean that I always liked the practice because, you know, I was an impressionable kid. I liked doing other things, things that I wanted to do, and I just didn't understand the need and importance of practicing and honing that craft at the time. I do now. And how many instruments can you play? That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, basically... Well, since the question is how many instruments I can play, basically every brass instrument. The question was not how many instruments I can play well. <laughs> and I, mean, I can also I can, play so. piano a little bit. What's that? I said it's more instruments than I can. So. Oh, there you go. And I'm, I can I'm also a- talk around the piano a wee bit. Fine. That's awesome. I, I think like I've heard that like when you know how to play one instrument, picking up other ones can be like easier. Kind of like if you know how to speak w- multiple languages. Hmm. You know, so yeah, I, I admire brass instruments because a lot of them have the same core functions. A lot of them have three valves, some have four, but a lot of the same concepts apply. You just have to tweak them a little bit. Nice. Definitely sounds like you've got some good, like, extracurricular activities outside of work. <laughs> yeah. So, then shifting back to work, you know, the Army faces a lot of challenges um, every day. What are some challenges that you think that the Army is facing in today's world and even in the future? Hmm, That's a very good question. I've been thinking about this one for a while. Um, I think in certain areas, the Salvation Army is currently suffering from a failure to listen. Um, not in all 
areas, mind you, but there might be some cause and effect there as to why people are leaving, especially in the younger generations. Maybe they don't feel heard, valued, or that they make a difference. And I'm sure that there's no like intentional exclusion, but I don't know, these things just happen sometimes. People say all the time that young people are the future of the army. I feel like they're the now of the army. I don't I feel like we don't want to lose them. Um, we don't want to run the risk of losing them just by not being sensitive to those needs. Yeah, definitely. And how do you think that the organization could fix that? I've seen a lot of attempts to, I don't mean to say attempts in that they're not working because um, we obviously won't see the benefits of them for a while. Um, I would just say being more intentional with um, young people, because I've had a lot of friends um, leave the army for whatever reason, and it's kind of been disheartening. Um, I would just say being intentional with people, not just, and this just doesn't go for young people, it's for all people, just not counting them as uh, wanting them to just be a part of your programs and that be the end of it, just really investing into people's lives since we are the body of Christ, and if one part is hurting, we're all hurting. Um, just staying intentional with people. Um, I feel like, um, and this might just be in my area, sometimes when we welcome people into the Salvation Army, we immediately give them a job to do, and that's it. We don't continue to disciple them and encourage them. I think that could help as well. Just staying, uh, growing together with other people, which is some of the things, that's some of the things that I've benefited from at the Royal Oak Corps. Just, there has always been this idea of cross-generational growth. We help each other out. We grow with each other. We disciple one another. And I think the world needs more of that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, Salvation Army, I don't think people realize how big it is. I know when I first started, I was kind of blown away I was like wait you guys have like a magazine and a podcast like mm -hmm. no idea you know so I don't think people realize how big the organization is and that not everyone who works here is a salvationist right. so that could be true across the board you know it, it totally I, I know what you mean about that like divide like the younger generations aren't the future like they're adults now <laughs> mm. you know? like they're they have that ability to communicate like what's working and what's not so i mm. definitely agree with you there about yeah. just letting everyone kind of have a voice and actually listening mm -hmm. another challenge i've been seeing it's not really exclusive to the salvation army but i think it's been a growing problem just the negative use of social media uh, I feel like the world has been so accustomed to using social media to publicly crucify one who might share a different opinion. We, I feel like in today's society, we can't agree to disagree. We always have to, if you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Of course, I'm quoting Star Wars there, but it helps prove my point. <laughs> no, um, you're, you're absolutely right. I couldn't have said it better myself. So. Mm -hmm. um, I've just seen a lot of Facebook threads of just people who are Christians or they claim to be just bashing another for their beliefs. And it's doing more harm than good. I feel like. Definitely. Um, so with, you know, your core or your job or anything personally, what kind of projects are you working on? 
Um, so our music and arts groups just recorded. Um, we spent the day a, a few weeks ago recording our virtual spring festival. Now we've been able to meet in person lately, so that's been a huge blessing. But we're still doing a virtual concert just because we. It's probably not a wise idea to you know put it on in front of people at the moment. So just editing that. Um, in the Eastern Territory, we have talent showcase event called star search every year and we are putting together a kind of um, award ceremony for that um so editing that is going underway i've also started a video series um the name's totally not copyright it's called fred's declassified covid survival guide um <laughs> just as a resource for core um, just giving them tips on how they can safely run music and arts programs um, during the pandemic, because there is a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just writing a few new pieces that the Pendle Brass might be using in the future, or just some messages that I feel led to say in my music, because that's one of the reasons why I write to to express what God lays on my heart when words fail and words fail me all the time. (laughs) Um, I'm also writing a book, which is hard and it's taken me three years so far, but yeah, there's that. What's what's the book about? So it's a semi, it's a semi autobiographical narrative. (laughs) It's a term I I think I made up. Um, It's kind of based on my three years at Asbury, but I'm changing like the names, um, changing some of the situations or whatever, just using my story to hopefully help other people. I was reading a book. Um, I think it was by Max Lucado, More to Your Story, or maybe it was Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life, one of the two. Anyways, um, there was a message about how our stories can help other people. And I hope I, I've been given the gift of writing and i think i i've been always wondering how i can use this gift and maybe this is it i don't know maybe my book will flop but it's worth a shot yeah i was gonna say at least you're doing it yeah like, you don't know till you try so mm-hmm. um and so then once you publish your book we're gonna have to do another interview and see like, <laughs> how that process went and how it's going <laughs> it'll be interesting <laughs> Um, so throughout your career, your life, who has inspired you to do the work that you do? Um, I will say the one person that comes to mind is my grandpa, Max Wood. Well, I, his full name is Frederick Maxwell Wood, and I was named after him. He, aside from being my namesake, he served as the bandmaster at Royal Oak Citadel for many years. And I feel like he was the quintessential bandmaster and the quintessential Christian musician. He taught music through so many different avenues, like at the core, the Eastern Michigan uh, Music Camp, Central Music Institute. He was a school teacher and just, he was able to impact so many people over the years. And he always pointed to Jesus through everything he did. The sad part is I wasn't able to really get to know him and his story until like three or four years before he was promoted to glory. But I always heard stories and tales of how proud he was of me. And whenever he saw a posting on social media about 
my conducting or my music being played around the world, he just would smile and he just loved that I was doing what God wanted me to do. And I'm looking forward to the day where I can reunite with him in glory. Wow, that's an amazing story, especially since you also got his love of music. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else that you feel like our listeners and readers should know? It can be about anything, your personal life, your work, your core, the Salvation Army as a whole, just any last comments that you might have. A friend of mine has this quote. Um, let me find it. I wrote it down here somewhere. Um, I'm not going to find it. It's something along the lines of, the Salvation Army is an idea, and it belongs to anyone who can make it real. I feel like we are the body of Christ, and and I think I was alluding to this a little bit earlier. Uh, we need to act like it more, whether it's in person, um, virtually, through social media. We are one body, and we just need to show grace to each other sometimes, because we're all humans. We are not perfect. We have sin. Uh, we just need to extend grace sometimes. I feel like that has been lacking in recent years um, for mul- mul- a multitude of reasons. But yeah, I just think we need to truly be united and unify as the body of Christ. To read Michelle's full interview with Freddie, we encourage you to check out thewarcry.org. And that's going to end this episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Be sure to subscribe for the to the Fight for Good podcast wherever you listen. Uh, and don't forget to follow the War Cry and Pierre on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. See ya! Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.